a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome to the Jazz Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Anderson. A very happy Friday to you. Make sure to find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Read me at kslsports.com. Download the KSL Sports app. That's really the best way to get these podcasts. All of my articles, all of our articles on the NFL Draft, the NFL, BYU, Utah, RSL, whatever you're looking for, we've got it in the app. Uh, just open the App Store and search KSL Sports. Uh, all right, excited to talk to Gina Mizell today. She writes for the Suns, for Suns.com. We talked to her early in the year, kind of about the success that Phoenix had had in the bubble and what the expectations were for this season. And certainly, I think along with the Jazz, they are the two teams in the Western Conference that have far exceeded their expectations. Uh, depending on what happens in the game tonight between the Jazz and the Suns, the two teams will either be tied with Phoenix owning the tiebreaker and nine games left to play, uh, and probably the odds-on favorite to end up winning the West, or the Jazz will have a two-game lead with nine games left and be the overwhelming favorite, uh, I think, to win the West. If the Jazz lose tonight, I think it's going to be pretty close down the stretch, and the Jazz will actually probably somewhat be in control of how they want to dictate the final standings. So I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be interesting to watch, but should be a tough one tonight for the Jazz without either Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell. Uh, good news with Mike Conley. He went on ESPN and said, you know, he's at 85% right now or 80%. He's not trying to play on his hamstring at that level. They want to make sure it's 100%. So if he has to miss an extra game or two to get right, that's what he's going to do. Uh, I think the same thing he kind of said about Donovan Mitchell. If they need to give him a few extra days off to get his ankle to 100%, that's what they want to do. So it doesn't sound like either of these guys are in any serious danger of missing, you know, playoff time. It doesn't sound like it's going to stretch another two weeks. It sounds like it's just you know, mostly precautionary. Obviously, there was an event that started for both of them with their hamstring and their ankle injuries, but it doesn't sound ultra serious. With that said, here's my conversation with Gina Mizell. So uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this game. This game, I mean, who knows? The Jazz didn't have Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley in the last game, and they're not going to have him tonight. And they scored a franchise record 154 points. So maybe, maybe they found the right lineup, and it doesn't include <laughs> either of their all-star backcourt players. But I suspect this is going to be a tough game for the Jazz tonight. How's Phoenix approaching this? Yeah, well, I think they certainly have the number one seed in their sights, like you said, and and they're in a tough stretch of the season right now. They just got off of a five-game East road trip where they played the Bucks, the Sixers, the Celtics, the Nets, and the Knicks all consecutively. Then they come back and play the Clippers at home, win a really big game to clinch a top six playoff spot, and then they turn around and play Utah. So I know Utah's shorthanded. You know, the Clippers didn't have Kawhi last night, but... This is still a team that's still trying to, you know, get those experiences and go through hard stuff that they believe is going to, um, you know, prepare them for the playoffs. Because certainly someone like Chris Paul has oodles 
of playoff experience, but this will be Devin Booker's first time in the playoffs and DeAndre Ayton's first time in the playoffs and Mikhail Bridges' first time in the playoffs. So um, I, I think it may, might be a little bit different strategy or just a different mindset that they feel like they need to gain as much good experience and play in these important marquee games. And so I think that, you know, even though Utah's shorthanded, I think the Suns are certainly viewing this as a, a marquee opponent and a marquee game, especially given how uh, the, the, the last matchup between these two teams went. Yeah, I, I certainly, I tweeted this out on April 19th. I remember looking back and saying, okay, the Jazz schedule is Lakers, Rockets, Timberwolves, Timberwolves, Kings. And you thought, okay, that's a pretty cake schedule and then the Suns have the Bucks, the Sixers, the Celtics, the Nets, the Knicks all on the road. Then the Clippers and Jazz. And I thought, man, when the, the time these two meet up tonight, the, the 30th, the Jazz are going to be three games up on the on the Suns at least, and maybe four. And the Suns actually ended up having a better record over that stretch. They went four and two. The Jazz just went three and two. They got swept by the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And now they look primed to win this game and take a a, a game. I guess it's they'll be even in the in the standings but they'll they'll have the tiebreaker and they will have swept the jazz so far this season i just have to think that's a huge boost coming out of that stretch which i'm sure they were looking at too and saying hey what is this going to look like for the rest of our season yeah and i mean you know they went three and two on that five game road trip that you just mentioned and they felt really good about that i mean certainly you want to try to win every game but just it, it you're hard pressed to find a gauntlet of a road trip like that especially this at this point in the season with how condensed the schedule has been overall, how taxing it's been overall for people. And, and yeah, to come back and, and win a big game against the Clippers, they, they feel pretty good about how they've sort of managed this time. So, no, I, I think a lot of people probably looked at that stretch and went, ooh, this could be when when the Suns, you know, kind of slip a little bit or, or have just, a, you know, a rough week or a rough stretch. But really the only, um, I think, downside to that trip is they lost consecutive games for the first time since January. So this team has been a model of consistency all season. You know, they've had some moments where they've maybe played down to their competition or they've, they've lost games that they shouldn't have, uh, you know, blew some games earlier in the season where they had a big lead and let it slip away. But overall, this team has just been very, very steady. And I think that starts with the leadership of Chris Paul, but also I think is just sort of filtered down to some of these younger players. And so, yeah, I, I'll be really curious to see how they approach these final 10 games or so, just because, you know, obviously if, if seating or something gets locked up, I don't think Monty Williams is going to put anybody in harm's way or, you know, unnecessarily tax somebody. But, uh, I, you know, they haven't been resting guys all year. They haven't been, you know, Chris Paul has pl played all but one game to this point. So it's, it's just going to be really interesting to see how they kind of approach the stretch run as they go into, you know, a, a really big uh, playoff berth for this franchise. So uh, I'll give some fans a little bit of an understanding of what the two teams are facing after this game tonight. And we'll assume that the Suns win. They're all even uh, with nine games left to play. Jazz have six of their nine games against teams that are still vying for a playoff spot. Now, most of those are against teams trying to get into the play-in tournament. Only Denver uh, really has guaranteed themselves a spot in the first round and probably home court advantage. So Denver's had a nice close even after Jamal Murray got hurt. Uh, they've got games against Toronto, San Antonio, Golden State, and Portland. Those are the teams trying to get in their play-in tournaments. The Suns, on the other hand, actually don't face that much more of a difficult schedule. They've got seven of their nine teams are going to be played away from home. Three of the teams they're playing are actually fighting for playoff seeding. That's the Hawks, the Knicks, and the Lakers, who are getting LeBron back tonight, apparently. Uh, and then four of those games are going to be played against the Warriors, Trailblazers, and then the Spurs twice. And actually, did they just lose to the Spurs kind of in weird fashion about a week ago? 
Yeah, I would. I mean, their worst game of the season just got got absolutely blown out. So it was just kind of one of those clunkers that happens during the, the NBA season. So, no, I think those two games will be interesting because, yeah, we'll see what the Spurs are vying for. Are they trying to get in the play-in tournament? Or are they trying to, you know, weather the storm a little bit? But I, I'm sure the Suns will be a little... Um, annoyed or a little like wanting to get some some uh payback after just they, they got crushed in that game about a week ago so I, I think down the stretch and i think they're honestly doing it now a little bit my, my guess is if they were in the playoffs right now mike conley would be playing he went on espn yesterday and said hey i just want to make sure i'm 100 percent and not 85 percent." so if, if this hamstring was more serious uh, or, or if the games, I should say, were more serious, I suspect Mike Conley would be playing right now. I don't think the Jazz are going all out to get that number one seed. How do you think, as you mentioned, you're not sure what, what Monty Williams is going to do with resting. What's your guess? Because I think these teams are probably going to be neck and neck going down to the wire. And I actually think the Jazz kind of like that. They can probably control their outcome a little bit and are probably okay even if they fall back to this two seed. What does getting the one seed for the Suns mean, considering, like you mentioned, so so few of these players have been to the playoffs before? Yeah, I mean, I think it would just be kind of a, a tent pole or a mark on how great their regular season has been, first of all, which, which is a huge you know testament to what this team has done all season. And then as far as avoiding playoff matchups, I mean, possibly I think maybe an advantage of having the number one seed would be avoiding the Clippers in the second round because they did lose two out of three to the Clippers. Um, you know, they've also lost two out of three to the Nuggets, but all those games were played early on in the season. And the, the final two of that matchup, um, both went to overtime, one went to double overtime so very competitive games that could have easily gone either way so I mean the Lakers are obviously the wild card in this whole scenario just because of that you know they sit in that five spot right now and and do they climb up now that Anthony Davis and LeBron are coming back do they slip to six potentially it's I and so I would assume that everybody is trying to avoid the Lakers at, at some point in in this uh in the season just because we all know how good they can be if if LeBron and AD are both healthy so I don't know how much Monty Williams is kind of trying to tinker with standings or tinker with schedules. I mean, in the first round, I think they'd feel good about playing Portland. I think they'd feel good about playing the Grizzlies. I think they'd feel pretty good about playing Dallas, even though I don't think anybody wants to see Luka in the playoffs. But the Suns did sweep the Mavs this season. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, the the Clippers are kind of the one team that has, has gotten the better of the Suns in their first two games. And then obviously they won earlier this week, but Kawhi didn't play. So, yeah, I think it's going to be just very interesting. I mean, the West is so deep. It's so tough. It's so it's such an interesting conference with injuries and just how everything has gone this year. But um, I, I do think there's some some status or some prestige in, in trying to get that number one seed. And, and I've, I see fans out here very excited about the possibility of, of snag, snagging that Friday night. And, and, and even if they hold on to it just for a couple of days, I think that would, you know, be, be a really nice marker for them. But is it the end all be all? I, I, I don't know. I think you're going to have to go through tough teams regardless to, to come out of the West. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the hard part is it's just going to be so difficult to try and manipulate the standings to get the seating you want because it's a, it's just so close and B we don't know what everyone's motivation is. Cause I've got Denver pulled up. I know we're talking about the jazz and Phoenix, but Denver plays at the Clippers tomorrow and then at the Lakers, which is a brutal, it's not back-to-back nights, but you know, it's, it's two games and three nights. That's a brutal schedule. Then you get the Knicks at home and Knicks have been playing well. Then you go at the jazz. Then you get home again against Brooklyn. And then you finish with this four game road trip. It's just going to be difficult, but l- let's say, the Nuggets win tomorrow over the Clippers. They would overtake them in the standings. If they beat the Jazz on May 7th, a week from today, 
there's a real chance you end up with the Nuggets in the three seed and you have the Clippers and the Lakers playing in the four or five matchup in the first round, which then nobody wants the first, the number one seed, because then you're guaranteed either playing the Lakers or playing the Clippers in the first round. So I just think it's going to be really difficult to try and dictate exactly, you know, where you want to stand. We may not know until the last night of the season. And then there's the play in tournament, which is going to throw another wrinkle into it. Right. I mean, because, again, you look at a team like the Warriors, which, again, they have they're barely 500. They they haven't played well all season. But do you want to see Steph in the first round? Right. Like, I, again, do you want to do you want to see Dame Lillard in the first round? Like there's there's just so much talent or so many guys that, you know, could could drop 50 points on any given night. And that's going to be a really interesting test, especially for a team like the Suns, who just doesn't have that playoff experience yet. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, you, I, I'm thinking about that meme on Twitter where it's like the lady with all the equations like in her head, like yes. trying to figure out, you know, what I'm talking about yeah. like trying to manipulate the standings, as you said, it just makes my head want to explode. I'm not smart enough to figure all that stuff out. I'm sure people in the Suns analytics departments or in these analytics departments across the league, you know, have all these scenarios figured out and, you know, the, you know, percentages and likelihoods and all that fun stuff, but it's too much for my brain to, to figure out. So I think you just try to be, you know, again, not put anybody in harm's way. Like you said, with somebody like Mike Conley, not try to make an injury worse or a nagging injury or, or just pain or something like that. Don't try to make it any, any more, more uh, hard on yourself than it needs to be but also I think you want to be playing well going into the playoffs and you you certainly risk sometimes disrupting rhythm and especially with a team like Phoenix where it's not like some other teams like when you know Kawhi was with the Raptors and he would sit on the second night of back-to-backs or you like have this schedule where you know okay every so often this guy's not going to be with us the Suns have been very fortunate in that their core has been intact for pretty much the entire season as far as the you know Chris Paul Devin Booker Mikhail Bridges DeAndre Ayton like that core has played together basically the whole season and you kind of potentially risk losing some of that rhythm if you start sitting guys but again you also don't want anyone to get hurt so I don't know this is why I'm not an NBA coach. This is why they don't pay me the big bucks because I uh, have no, I, I, I don't know how to manage a situation like this. <laughs> well, it's already been a wildly successful regular season. Actually, I think for both the Jazz and the Suns, I think some Jazz fans would be disappointed if they end up in the two seed because it's been like 87 days or something that they've had the number one seed kind of, you know, in their control. But ultimately, it's going to come down to what do you do in the postseason? The Jazz, I think, for fans to be satisfied, probably have to make a conference finals run because it's Devin Booker's first trip and Bridges and Aiden. What's a successful playoff run for the Suns this year? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think winning a round would be fantastic. I think, you know, obviously if if you end up with a top two seed, you you like in a perfect world want to make the Western Conference finals, but it's just really hard to know how this team is going to respond in that moment. And I have I have no reason to believe that they're not ready or they haven't been prepared or that they um, you know, don't don't have what it takes or anything like that. But like we said, it's just it's so tough. And I was talking to somebody earlier today and and sort of the question of are the Suns more likely to go to the finals or to lose in the first round? I would still say losing the first round just because of how tough the, the road is to get out of the West. But um, yeah, I'm sure some fans would be disappointed if they were a one and done playoff team. But this is also, you know, a step in a long road back for this franchise. I mean, this has been, you know, a really tough decade for this this team and for this franchise. And to kind of get to this point, 
their their prognosis or their road was sort of accelerated with getting Chris Paul and to be in a position where they are right now, where they've made this huge jump. Um, but it, still, it takes the, it takes a little bit of time, I think, to get used to what the the journey is going to be like. So, um, you know, I covered the Nuggets it, three years ago before I came back to Phoenix and, and started covering the Suns. And it, the, their road a little bit reminds me of theirs, not necessarily in the way that you know you get Chris Paul. The Nuggets didn't make some you know big acquisition like that, but they went from barely missing the playoffs in 2018 to having a huge leap, and I think they were the two seed. Uh, two years ago, but still had to like, you know, kind of labor through a seven game series against the Spurs. And they had that great series, you know, against the Blazers, but losing a game seven. And so was that a disappointment? And, and, but then, you know, last year, they they go all the way to the Western Conference finals. So I don't know, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting just to see how they handle this moment, how they handle kind of the weight of this playoff, you know, resurgence or getting back to that as far as, you know, just handling that. But I, I'm very excited to see not only how the Suns do, but also just how the whole West unfolds and even the Eastern Conference for that matter, because, um, you know, depending on, I think LeBron and AD are like the major X factor in the whole league, but depending on how all of this goes, like, whoever wins the title probably had a lot to prove to get there and kind of had a narrative surrounding them to get there. And so I, I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. I think it's going to be a really fun, fun thing to watch uh, this spring. And, and then the jazz and the Suns kind of end up in a similar spot where the jazz are going to have to really do some, uh, some magic in the off season to figure out how to resign Mike Conley, who just made his first all-star team. But I can't imagine at his age, he's going to be wanting to move around a whole lot. The same could be said for Chris Paul. Uh, yeah. He's got a player option for $44 million, which I can't, uh, is hard to pass up, but he's sure. playing so well, he could easily get that money back. Like he could get not a raise necessarily next year, but he could probably sign another three-year deal worth $100 million at least and, and guarantee himself a bunch of money. What's the expectation for Chris Paul and the Suns this offseason? Is, is it a belief he's going to come back or, or what's the goal? Well, first of all, haven't we all turned down $44 million? <laughs> What a, nice, what a nice luxury. Yeah, every, every day, everyday life, you know. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I truthfully, I, I don't know. Um, what I do know is that Chris Paul, you can see that he genuinely enjoys it here and has enjoyed being with this group. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, it's a reunion of sorts with him and Monty Williams was – um, his coach for one season in New Orleans, and they've, you know, kind of maintained that bond throughout their careers and are now reunited here. Uh, Jeff Bauer is on is in the Suns front office, and he was actually in the Hornets front office when they drafted Chris Paul, so there's some history there. Willie Green, one of the assistants on the Suns staff, is one of Chris's best friends, so there's like a familiarity and a comfort level there. And then I think just, you know, you look at the the team of guys that the Suns have, and him and Devin Booker have really hit it off and have known each other for a long time um, since basically since Booker was coming out uh, in the draft and, and they did a workout together in L.A. and have sort of maintained their relationship from there. But you can just you can tell that he enjoys being around this group and and I don't think he's faking it. And he talks a lot about how, you know, this is a situation where he's living separated from his family who's in Los Angeles right now. But he feels like the sons are, you know, not a substitute for your actual family, but that they are people that he genuinely enjoys being around. So, um, you know, I, I yeah, but, you know, money talks and, and who knows what type of offers might be on on the table if he's looking for a longer term deal. He is certainly playing at a high enough level that you would warrant, you know, another three year contract or, 
or something more long term than just the final gear of, of his player options. So, um, you know, certainly, obviously, the Suns would want him back. I, I don't think I'm, you know, stepping out of line by saying that uh, they, they know the impact he's made on this team. And it's been immense. It was immediate. It is on and off the floor. The whole Chris Paul experience here has been even more than I thought it would be. And it kind of just feels like a situation where it's a perfect situation for both sides. It's like the perfect type of team for Chris Paul to be mentoring, to be on. And it's a group of younger players that have been thriving for that type of locker room leadership and have responded really well. Again, Chris kind of has this reputation of being too demanding at times or, or grating on people. But I think this young Suns team is like thriving or like thirsty for it. So yeah, it's going to be, um, I mean, it would be really tough, I think, for this team to lose him after one season. But um, I do know that he genuinely loves it here. But also, you know, after the last couple seasons of free agency and off-season moves, I, I wouldn't put anything past anybody just because things are, are so nutty in this league. So, yeah, that's kind of where, where I sort of land on that situation. And there's going to be a lot of teams that want to spend money because so many of these free agents that were expected to be available have already re-signed. So, you know, Giannis, Chris Paul, oh, yeah, right. With cap space, absolutely. So Chris Paul is going to be in high demand. So is Mike Conley. It's going to be tough for both the Jazz and the Suns. Uh, find her on Twitter at Gina Mizell, reader at suns.com. Hopefully, Gina, we're talking as the Jazz and the Suns are getting ready to face each other in the Western Conference Finals in a, about a month and a half. That would be great. That would be awesome. I would love it. And I appreciate you having me again. Talk to her. She's super smart, really in touch with that Suns team. Uh, and they've got an interesting offseason, as we just talked about with Chris Paul, just like the Jazz do with Mike Conley. Make sure to find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Read me at kslsports.com. Again, download the KSL Sports app, and we'll uh, talk to you again next week. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.